Well, markets bounced on Friday on the hope that China was heading towards an end to zero COVID, but officials in China over the weekend made it very clear that that is not the case. So we can assume that there's going to be a bit of a market reversal today. There's also some assumptions that the non-farm payrolls were showing a less tight labour market. But was that really the case? It certainly wasn't in Canada, where employment numbers rose quite markedly. We've got a quiet start to the week as well, but US midterms tomorrow. What impact will a likely gridlock government have? It's Monday, the 7th of November, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, I do feel like we've been here before. I mean, equity markets pushed higher on the hopes that uh, China's zero COVID approach might be coming to an end. Uh, and maybe non-farm payrolls helped a little bit as well, although uh, you can read those either way. Whatever the case, the Dow and the Nasdaq were each at 1.3% on Friday. The S&P gained 1.4%. But that uh, is after a week of heavy losses, of course. The Nasdaq, for example, down 5.6%, even with that gain on Friday. And it's a similar story in car- currencies. The euro was up 2.1% on Friday, but that just could Corrected losses earlier in the week, so actually finished the week flat. The pound rose 2% on Friday, but was actually down 1.7% over the week. And the US dollar going the other way, of course, down 1.8% on Friday on the DXY index, still higher than it was at the start of the week. The Aussie dollar rose 2.9% on Friday, up to 64.70 US cents. That's uh, a less impressive 0.9% up on the week, but at least it was up on the week, uh, a feat that many currencies didn't quite manage last week. And big moves in oil, edging closer to $100. WTI rose more than 5% on Friday. Brent was up 4.1%, so it's up beyond 98.50 a barrel now. Uh, Surprise. Surprising, perhaps. Not much bond market reaction. Uh, perhaps those payroll numbers weren't so exciting. Ten-year Treasury is up just one basis point on Friday, up to 4.16%. That's up about 15 basis points over the week, but still a good 10 basis points lower than they were in the middle of the week before. No wild swings anywhere, really. German 10-year bonds gained five basis points. Canada, which had employment numbers out on Friday, which we'll come to, saw their 10-year yeah, year yields rising nine basis points. Aussie 10 years fell seven basis points to 3.84%, gaining a couple of basis points on futures still there uh, since then but still about 26 basis points lower than they peaked around the 21st of last month uh, and uh, it's uh, a reasonably busy week this week we get US midterms we get inflation numbers from the US as well but uh, let's look at uh, how we finished the week uh, with uh, NAB Skymasters in Sydney we'll look at those non-farm perils in a second but all this uh, this zero COVID talk, uh, Sky. So there was the, that was the real driver of sentiment on Friday, wasn't it? I mean, Bloomberg said China was considering dropping penalties for airline uh, airlines that arrived with COVID passengers on board. We had an official from China's Center for Disease Control supposedly telling a Citibank conference that China might reopen to Hong Kong early next year and then other countries would follow. And then uh, Chancellor Scholz from Germany said that President Xi had agreed that the Pfizer, I think this is the key thing, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine might be made available to expats living in China. And maybe then it would um, be made available to other people. So they might have a, a vaccine that actually works. Markets reacted to all of that, didn't they? But um, they might have to change their course because it's, it's all been retracted over the weekend by the uh, the National Health Commission's Disease Prevention and Control Bureau. Um, so it's going to be a volatile start to the week, I would have thought. Morning, Phil. Yes, it, it is going to be a, a volatile um, start, I think, uh, this morning. You know, particularly if you look at the large moves that we saw in markets on, on Friday. Um, you know, you had big falls in, in the US dollar, um, large rises in in um, commodity prices. You know, copper copper rose seven percent, mm. which I think was its largest one day gain since two thousand and nine. You had 
um, the Hang Seng um, post its biggest weekly gain since 2015. So, um, and the CNH appreciated 2%. So some really big moves on, on Friday. Um, I think a large part of it was on those r rumors around changes or possible changes to the um, net sort of COVID zero policies in, in China, but maybe also partly the payrolls print, which we can get to in a, in a second. But, um, you know, mm. those those rumours were squashed on the weekend um, where officials came out saying, you know, they're going to continue to defend against imported cases from abroad and prevent a rebound in cases at home. Um so yeah. I imagine some some reversals in markets this morning. Um, but I guess what you know to me what stands out is is the heightened sens sensitivity of of investors towards a possible change in policy in in China. Um, you know, one day one day it will come, um, mm. but but not but in a not, hurry. Not this week. No, definitely not this week. And and look, we had to, and yet markets are responding to, aren't we? We had that social media uh, release that had everyone uh, sort of like responding as as though it was the total truth. And yet, you know, it was just someone posting on social media. And if we look at the numbers, so China last week it's got well about four thousand active COVID cases. Germany in the last seven days, quarter of a million active cases. Japan. 375,000. So it bears no relation to the size of the issue, apart from obviously, you know, the, 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 this fear that people are getting sicker in, in China. But so long as that is the case, if you look at those numbers, everyone else is living with it. China is not. And it doesn't seem like they're going to change their ways. This is going to be, I mean, you, you'd be crazy to expect that this is suddenly going to, that they're suddenly going to reverse. Yeah. I mean, I, it is going to take some time. I'm not sure what, what will cause them to, to change, but you know, at some point in time, at some point in time, I guess they will. Um, and you know, that, that will be sort of a real risk positive for, for markets. And I guess this is what investors are trying to, you know, get in front of that. Because um, when it, once it turns, as as we saw on Friday, it can turn quite quickly. Um, so I think going going forward, you know, you're just going to continue to see rumours and and volatility. Um, so what know. about non-farm payrolls then? Because we can look at that. I mean, this is these are real numbers. We're in more comfortable territory here, although it was a bit confusing, wasn't it? I mean, it looks like the markets responded to the, the top line, the unemployment rate, which went uh, it's up from 3.5% to 3.7%. So you could look at that and say a less tight labour market, less concern that the Fed is going to have to to react more. Is that is that how you saw the market responding? Because, you, you know, there's lots of numbers underneath that, which are cause for concern, I think. Yeah, so, you know, the headline payrolls print, did come in um, above expectations and there were some positive re revisions to prior months. But I think if you look at the price action, you know, the two-year Treasury yield initially spiked up to 480 um, and then it, it rallied mm. back and closed at 465, I think. Um, and I think investors investors were, I mean, if you look at price action, all you can say is investors were, were positioned for quite a strong payrolls print and um, the numbers didn't didn't confirm that. So you know the unemployment rate ticked higher, um, and uh, you know wages growth, the monthly print was stronger than expected, but the annual measure is continuing yeah. to head lower. So it came in at four point six percent, and the cycle peak was five point six, which was recorded back in March. So some evidence of some um, sort of I guess early signs maybe of, of an easing in the strength in um, in the labour market and sort of I guess it sort of supports that view that 
well, yes, maybe the Fed can shift from a 75 basis point tightening to 50 basis points at the December meeting. And I think the market at the moment is still 50-50 on that. So they're not quite sure what the Fed will will do. Um, Fed speakers on a, on Friday sort of supported maybe that easing back um, from a 75 basis point tightening to, um, to a 50 basis point tightening. Um, Fed member Collins was, what did she say? She said, um, uh, you know, monetary policy is entering a new phase that could require smaller rate increases as officials assess the impact of recent rate rises. Um, so, mm. you know, I think, yeah, I mean, there, there was something in that, that number for everyone. Um, but as I said, I think the market was positioned for a stronger, um, a stronger print. And you saw that in positioning data for um, the CFTC data for um, Treasury yields. Speculative investors had actually added to net shorts ahead of the FOMC and the payrolls print last week. Um, and positioning in two years is actually at a record high of net shorts. But on the on the Fed speakers, yeah, I mean, that playbook is very much what we said earlier in the week, wasn't it? That, you know, if they go down to 50 basis points, that doesn't mean they're being more dovish. Uh, the point made uh, by Jerome Powell was it's the final rate that counts, wasn't it? Not the speed of speed of getting there. So uh, they've been positioning for that right since the uh, FOMC meeting, of course. In uh, In Canada, the labour market there, well, that's a clearer picture, isn't it? It's tightening. The, the unemployment rate was expected to rise. It didn't. It's stuck at 5.2%, even with the participation rate actually going the other way than the US. It's uh, it was it's rising. Uh, and uh, we saw a big move as well from part-time to full-time employment. The employment numbers rose 120,000. Average hourly wages rose as well, despite all that the uh, the Bank of Canada has been doing. They've still got this very resilient labour market there. And we saw that in bond yields, didn't we, rising quite a bit over there? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it, you know, the Canadian job data was, was you know, in, interesting. I think um, for the last couple of months there'd been a sort of a view that maybe the, the strength in the labour market there was was easing. But, um, you know, this, this number... Um, sort of mm. questions that view and, you know, in focus was the the jump in wages growth. You know, it continues to head higher, printing an annual rate of 5.6. So little evidence of a slowdown there in wages. And I guess this is the concern, you know, does, um, you know, the higher inflation start to feed through into stronger, you know, stronger wages prints? And I guess that's sort of something that will be, will be in focus here in Australia um, we get WPI out um, in a in a week or so, um, so I think you know the the BOC has certainly eased back on the the, the magnitude of of rate hikes, um, but I think this data just suggests that maybe they're going to if they continue at that slower or lower um, uh, rate hike at each meeting, does it mean that they actually end up having to tighten for longer? Um, and I think this is the mm. shift that investors are, are looking at now that central banks are starting to um, shift gears, as Sally Old said the other day, not not pivot, but shift gears. Um, you know, does that mean that, uh, you know, they continue to tight, tighten well into 2023? So what about the, the RBA statement of monetary policy then on Friday? Let's look at what's happening on the home front. Because, I mean, there has been less concern about uh, the jobs market and wages, uh, wage spiralling out of control, you know, less concern perhaps than other central banks. 
but is the RBA focused on that now? I mean, they are upping their inflation forecast. Of course, we saw last week, 8% in Q4 this year, 4.7% next year, 3.2% in 2024. What what was your takeout from the the statement of monetary policy on Friday that we we hadn't heard earlier in the week? Uh, look, I, I guess you know we we did get um, sort of early signals of what they were going to do with their with their forecast. So um, no surprise, I guess, on the on the inflation forecast. But you know, for our economists, the te- their takeaway um, from the the SOMP was that you know overall the RBA sees growth slowing. Um, and the tightness in the labour market easing um, as you see the sort of cumulative impact of of, high, of the rate hikes impacting um, real income through 2023. Um, but the interesting thing is that all this is, isn't enough to see inflation head back towards their 2 to 3% target band um, through the forecast horizon. So they've still got, you know, inflation at 3.2% over 2024. So, you know, an interesting an interesting um, sort of set of forecasts, but on balance, I guess it means that, you know, it appears to us that the RBA is more sensitive to downside risks to activity and less sensitive to the risks of price wage persistence than sort of other central banks are, you know, i.e.g. the, the Fed. Um, so I guess that's why I sort of, mm. I say, you know, the WPI numbers will be interesting that come out in a couple of weeks time um you know to see yeah. you know well, what is happening on, on the wages front in australia and you know the data in in canada you know shows us that at least there you know wages are heading higher um and you know not necessarily what the voc would be happy to see no absolutely despite all that done it's a bit of a worry isn't it well look today i mean obviously there's going to be a bit of market reaction as we try and respond to uh, uh, uh the china approach to covid uh is it going to be uh net zero covid or i'm getting confused you know but between zero covid and net zero because of or course net zero, yes. yeah, cop 27 kicks <laughs> off today as well i mean mate it's going to be a race isn't it who gets to yeah, we're going to get to net zero before we get to zero covid i mean are we going to you know is it going to take till 2050 uh to, for china to get to zero covid but look I, I, economics wise in terms of uh, new data not a lot we get german industrial production numbers today i think christine lagarde is talking uh, as well but most of the action today is going to be that how markets respond isn't it to that news over the weekend that no you know z- zero covid is uh, still very much with us and an interesting thing um uh, looking at Bloomberg this morning, uh, the, the, the response to US midterms, because of course those happen tomorrow. And uh, yeah, what happens if we, it's likely that the Republicans will make a gains in, in both houses? That means economic gridlock. Uh, they're saying, well, actually, that's quite good for the markets. So, so obviously markets think if the government does nothing at all, then uh, that that means there's no surprises. So that's seen as a, a as a good thing. That's an interesting way of looking at it. It makes you wonder why we've got government at all, if that's the case. But a, a split government that doesn't actually do anything could actually be good for the markets. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, so I did read that and I sort of like, really? Um, <laughs> well, what do we elect these people for? <laughs> you know, I, I, I do think what, um, you know, what it raises is um, the risks of government you know, shutdowns mm. going forward. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, disruptions on that front. Now we've, you know, we've seen this before. Um, you know, I think over time market reactions to that, to sort of shutdowns um, have become less because the view is, is will eventually the debt ceiling, you know, they will raise the debt ceiling and things will be okay. But I think it will, you know, it's just an added thing that's going to create 
increased volatility in markets, you know, in, into 2023. So, um, you know, outside of everyone thinking, you know, what are central banks doing and where are, where are terminal rates heading, you know, we're going to have possible, you know, um, sort of government shutdowns in, in, in the US. We're going to continue to have sort of speculation around what China's going to do mm. um, and then also focus on the BOJ. So, um, you know, lots of lots, lots of things that are going to maintain heightened volatility in markets in, into the new year. Can we have any more? I mean, the markets are careering off with the smell of an oily rag at the moment, aren't they? Can we have any more volatility? That's the question. But the answer is maybe we can. Anyway, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Sky. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. And that is it. That's Monday morning's morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then.